0: Hello and welcome to the third series of the Igniting Change podcast. It's a different and more challenging world in which we find ourselves this time around, so we wanted to reflect the challenges of just surviving in the COVID-19 era and what the Black Lives Matter movement has meant to some of our First Nations people. Igniting Change hasn't stopped working to make this period easier for those doing it tough, nor will it. Yes, we're all in this together, but for some, Making it to the other side is just the start of the battle. Our guest today is artist Amanda Newman. Hi, Amanda. Hi, how are you? Now, for those of you who haven't seen the beautiful mural of Kathy Freeman, which is under a bridge in Richmond, Amanda is the artist behind that. And Amanda also painted Duan Husan, who is the protagonist in in my blood it runs, which is associated with children's ground and of which we're all really fond of this of this story and this boy. So Amanda, how did you come to paint two such iconic figures in the indigenous world?
1: Well, I tend to paint people who I think are both inspirational and also they're often overlooked or underrepresented in some way. And so they could use their voices amplified by, you know, artwork or whatever it may be. So yeah, so I'm pretty careful in who I choose. And both of them embody everything that's inspirational and hopeful, and all of that.
0: Well, if we start with Duan, how did you find out about Duan? So I was actually just kind of googling. I
1: spend way more time than I than I want to admit. <laughs> we all do. And yeah, I was just kind of googling and came across him, and I guess it was because he was in the documentary, which I didn't even know about at the time, but even just reading his story, I was just so blown away. You know, 12 year old boy speaking to the United Nations, like I just can't even imagine doing that at 12 let alone in his position doing that but yeah so i just kind of right then was like this is the person you know that he he needs to everyone needs to know who this is usually i have a wall in mind that i'm kind of like figuring out who i want to paint on it and this one just spoke to me it was the perfect spot with two different walls um so i could do his face on one and then his message on the other yeah so it just yeah felt right to me
0: so when you say you you had walls that you you thought were appropriate to paint on do you have permission to paint on those walls? How, how does the system work when you're a mural painter? How do you go about your business?
1: Well, so many, many of the street art pieces that I paint, they are not actually, they're, they're illegal at first. And usually what happens is by the time I'm done with it, the owner of the wall tends to like it. So I kind of pick the walls. Accordingly, like I'm not going to just deface someone's private house because that's just disrespectful. So, a lot of times it's city owned, council owned walls that are like, or an organization. And so, I kind of get the sense that what I'm doing is going to be ultimately okay. So, to the point where actually a couple of my murals have been protected by councils after the fact, but that's not always the case. So, with the Dewan one, actually, that one was uh, unfortunately painted over within like two days of doing it. So that was pretty disappointing, but you know, what can you do?
0: you've come from New York to Melbourne. What brought you here?
1: So my parents and all of my relatives are actually from Australia. And my parents moved over to the United States before I was born. And so I was born and raised over there, but I've always had dual citizenship. So we've always spent quite a bit of time in Australia, growing up and everything, visiting our relatives. And then coincidentally, my husband is Australian, but we met in New York. So when we got married, he actually moved to New York to be with me. And we were there for over 10 years. And then just this past, the end of this past year, 2019, we both just kind of, we we're just like fed up with the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it
0: I wonder why.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, and we just have a four year old daughter now. So at the time she was two or three when we mm-hmm. made the decision to move, and we were just like, you know, we just want to raise her in a better place. And we were burnt out because New York City is, you know, the grind all the time. Yeah, so it just felt like the right time to move back. So
0: smack back into lockdown.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs>
0: But I guess lockdown might feel for you a safer place to be than the States at the moment, right?
1: Yeah, it's actually, um, I feel just so incredibly lucky to be here. You know, not just for all the COVID stuff, just in general. We came over here and there's just so many things that I hope I never take them for granted. You know, like free healthcare and all the amazing things about Australia. Yeah, every day I just wake up and I just think, but we're here. You know, like, yes, it's temporarily... Not great, <laughs> yeah. but ultimately, you know, I look out the window and it's like I can see the Yarra River and it's just beautiful. And the people are great, and the government is much better here. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just try to stay optimistic about it all.
0: Amanda, what's life like as an artist in COVID time? Because obviously, you do other things than paint murals for free. You're a working artist as well. So, what's it been like?
1: Again, it's not ideal. Pretty much. Haven't even had a whisper of any kind of work in months. <laughs> yeah, just kind of have to go on faith that at some point there will be work again. I can't imagine that it'll just completely disappear forever. I just can't believe that. And especially one interesting thing about COVID lockdown that I've noticed is arts is considered the least essential, you know, which to some extent, you know, I can see I'm not as essential as, of course, healthcare workers or grocery store workers Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But... In lockdown, the one thing that people are going towards is the arts, you know, That's right. everyone's watching Netflix, which is all arts and entertainment jobs there. Yeah, and people are going out on their walks, you know, they're getting sick of their same 5K radius walks. And so a lot of them are going to find street art. So I think that arts are actually more essential than people like to think. And hopefully people are realizing that. And so it won't be completely destroyed after this and people will put more of their money and effort into it
0: you know I I sort of got the impression that street art and interesting things going on art wise are really attracting a lot of attention and I don't know if it's just a a social media thing but I, I feel like people are stopping and taking in and really appreciating things of beauty that have just appeared, even even when it comes down to flowers in a garden, but yeah, particularly yeah. your work, I think, has struck a chord. How much of a difference do you think public art can make?
1: Oh, it makes all the difference. And I agree with you. It does seem like it's really um, being much more appreciated now, uh, which is nice. Yeah, I think out of COVID, obviously, it's not a good thing. But if you look at the silver lining, people are slowing down, they're reassessing life, you know, they're taking a step back, and they're appreciating things that they took for granted before. So yeah, I think that's part of it. At least it's one good thing that's come out of it.
0: (laughs) How do you gauge the response to your work? How do you know if it's cut through your message?
1: Well, obviously, shares on social media, you know, that's a big indicator. Sometimes people will personally reach out to me, which is, for me, that's, the thing that means the most because that's just concrete. I know that I touched that person. And then, yeah, sometimes people will stop me on the street and just kind of tell me how much they appreciate it. And that really means a lot too.
0: Mm. The Black Lives Matter movement came to a bit of a peak earlier in the year. Was public art a part of that in the States? And do you feel a responsibility to represent people of color in the work that you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's honestly is the least that I could do as a a white person (laughs) is try to give a voice to that movement and to people who are overlooked a lot. Yeah, since the Black Lives Matter movement, I think of all the murals I've painted, actually just the one I'm currently doing now, it's the only white person that I've done. And that's Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who deserves a mural.
0: (laughs) I think you get a leave pass for that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I also um, kind of made a promise to myself that, yeah, I'm not just going to paint people just because just for the likes you know yeah I I really need to paint people who need to be painted who I feel like not only are they inspirational but they also people might not pay attention to them if I didn't put Mm. that out there so yeah that's that's very important to me and then also you asked about if street art was a big thing in the United States with it all of those Black Lives Matter um the ones that took up the whole street yeah yeah, and that was just happening all over. I, I just thought that was so powerful. I actually mm, yeah. uh, tried to get something going over here, but I just I wasn't the right person to do it. <laughs> um, definitely wanted to take that momentum and do what I could with it here because it is an issue here. You know, it it's different things that are an issue in Australia, mm. but racism definitely exists. Yeah, it hasn't reached the point that it has in the United States yet, but I think a lot of that might be because there's actually less people of color in Australia, unfortunately. Mm. Um, So they actually need privileged white people more to speak up for them here. Racism is definitely a thing here. Mm. um, And it's kind of, culturally acceptable the casual racist comments yeah. and that just needs to go away like, we just need to make it not normal to say things like that we need to normalize speaking about it and putting it out into the public world so that people don't think it's cool to make an offhanded comment yeah. um, and so that people also feel like it's okay to stand up and say hey that's not cool you know maybe just don't use that word yeah it's definitely something that's important to me is trying to bring that over
0: here mm. So moving on to Freeman, when she ran that race in the 2000 Olympics, were you aware of it? Were you watching? Did you feel a a national pride in your dual nationality? In
1: 2000, I was in uh, university and I was very apathetic about most things.
0: Okay. Well, you're at university. That's your job.
1: Seeing how much kids in university do now these Mm. days, it really makes me kind of ashamed for how I just wasted so much. Yeah. But (laughs) so, yeah, no, I wasn't, and I wasn't actually a runner then, and I am now. So, there's so much about Kathy Freeman that. Strikes a chord with me now, and I wish that I had appreciated it then.
0: So, what specifically about her stirs you?
1: There are so many things. So, the athleticism, of course, you know, the fact that she also did that as an indigenous person in this country at that time is just absolutely amazing. Like all of the roadblocks that she must have overcome. But also the fact that she's still doing so much, you know, it's decades and decades of activism and doing good. And I think. You know, it's really easy. Well, no, it's not really easy to stand up and do one thing once.
0: That's hard too.
1: Mm. But to continuously do it is something that it it takes a lot of grit and it's something that I really respect.
0: Has she seen the mule? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: She's been tagged in it. Yeah, I don't know if she has or not. And I'm actually told that she used to live in Richmond. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope that. Maybe one day she'll see it.
0: How long will it stay there?
1: Yeah. So that one actually was protected by uh, the owner of the wall. Uh So that one I had sort of unofficial permission to paint because they told me I could paint on that wall at some point. Luckily, they liked it and so they protected it. So hopefully that'll be there for quite some time.
0: Amanda, will you be voting in the uh, US elections?
1: Uh, no, I've looked into it and I actually don't think I'm allowed. And if this is incorrect, please, you know, know <laughs> someone who hears this knows that this is incorrect, I would love to vote. Mm. But I don't think that I'm allowed to since I'm a resident here and will be voting here. Yeah, it's a shame because I really would love to get that bone in.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Amanda, one final question. Where will we be able to find Ruth?
1: It's called the Westgarth Basketball Court. It's yep. in like the very, very, very south part of Northgate down okay. at the end of high street yeah i've been doing her i've been biking out there every day and working for like an hour hour and a half and then biking back because yeah. of the two hour restrictions so yeah it's been slow going and i hate leaving her not totally done every day but you know it is what it is
0: <laughs> well thank you so much for your work and thank you for giving us some joy in covid and we wish you the best of luck with everything and we look forward to seeing your work all around the town.
1: Thank you. I look forward to hopefully doing it for a long time.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Amanda. Thank
1: you. Bye.
0: That's it for this Igniting Change podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to press subscribe to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Thanks for listening. And remember, see the person, not the label.